hello and welcome to this month's episode of the Divine Comedians podcast. I'm your host, Paula Wiseman, and today I am chatting with performer and stand-up comedian, Glenn Wool. So, hey, Glenn, it's great to be chatting with you today. Yes, th- and thank you very much for having me on. I really appreciate it. No problems. So, obviously, from your accent, we can tell you're c- Canadian from, from yes. Canada originally. I, I live in uh, Suffolk, England now, though. Oh, it's very posh, very posh area of the. It is when I'm around. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. So I mean, yeah, my my granddad on my dad's side is Canadian, actually. So, oh, whereabouts little, from? Uh, Quebec. Oh yes, yes. Quebec. We don't, I, know, uh, we don't know too much about him, but uh, you know, the connection is I, there. Yeah, French. I my that would be my guess. Yeah, French Canadian. Canadian. But not necessarily, perhaps uh, uh, Jewish Canadian or yeah. Irish Canadian. They're they're all there, and <laughs> or Asian. Perhaps he's Asian. Oh my there's god! Little, I don't know, Paula. It could it could be cameras on, so we don't no, know. No, that's true. <laughs> we, we leave it open to speculation. So, I mean, sure. what was uh, what was your childhood like in Canada? Being over here in the UK and Ireland, we have these visions of what what it's like growing up as children in uh, in Canada and America from what we see on TV what was it like i think i i think it would it, it, it's almost stereotypical to uh, to a point of non belief sometimes <laughs> uh, my father was in the royal canadian mounted police the uh, you know the the mounties red jackets yeah red jackets he wore one of those when he married my mother. He actually, it looks like they're, they're going to a fancy dress party, kind of. <laughs> but do you know how my father met my mother? Go on, tell me. He was leading his dog team. On, he, he was the last police officer on the planet to do a patrol with a dog team. This right. is in the 60s up yeah. in the Northwest Territories. And he was unfamiliar with the um, with the thickness of the ice on the river. He shouldn't have been on there. So he went he went through the ice, and this was about three miles out of Yellowknife. He had to run back into town or die from the cold. And uh, it was during that hospital stay that he was beside uh, w- w- my grandfather, and my mother was going to meet my grandfather in the hospital and that she she met the uh, the friendly policeman and wow. that's how they yeah so there's a mountie a dog team the ice <laughs> how canadian does it need to be and then and at that point you think to yourself well he's pulling my leg no no all true yeah sounds like one of those you know made up stories doesn't it but it's so it's so such a sort of romantic vibe to it you know they, they met over a hospital bed <laughs> Yes, yes. I, do you know there there is something very odd about injuries where it can, it can be quite romantic. Um, you know, the the, the nursing. Uh, I, I suppose um, is, when nursing and kindness enters into the fray, then you see mm. the best side of people. Yeah. So I mean, what were you what were you like as a kid? Thinking back to to when you were a boy. So were you were you quite boisterous? Were you a, a lively kid, or did you kind of keep yourself to yourself? 
Oh yes, I was very boisterous. <laughs> I, I enjoyed attention, um, but I was a bit weird too. I, I wouldn't, um, you know, I, I didn't always, I thought I was being funny, but a lot of the times it was just, I think people were laughing nervously. <laughs> <laughs> but I've had children now and, and I now, I now see some of my behavior in them. Yeah. So it, it leads to a little introspection because what you used to think was charming and everyone else found charming, you now realize, no, you were being humored. <laughs> yeah, I think it's where midlife crisis has come from, you know. But I, yeah, and if yeah. I if I'd had my children at the at the at a younger age, I would be looking at them in my in their teenage years, thinking, "Oh my God, that's what I was like." Yeah, it's it's obviously in the genes, isn't it? You know. Yes. Yes. Yes, in the genes. So, were you from a big family? Two brothers. Uh huh. So it depends. Are you, are you Catholic or Protestant? <laughs> Church of England, I suppose we'll, we'll, we'll call it. Okay. <laughs> we don't. We don't well, like Church the labels of England. Or is getting uh, getting pretty big, I would say, <laughs> by the church rankings. Oh you, yeah. You, yeah. In some in some of the uh, smaller communities, you'd be labeled a pervert for having <laughs> had children three times. Okay. Well. Yeah, I don't know. Here in Dublin, it's you know it was normal to have like 10 or 11 children so i mean it's yeah. all, it's all the catholic thing i suppose isn't it you know yeah yeah i just i get um i feel i, I like after watching what my wife went through um two times i just feel for those women that you know just 11 times and not questioned it just just no okay, well, <laughs> yeah and what was that? like you know after the tenth, wouldn't you leave the <laughs> poor woman alone? <laughs> she wants to love it whether they got anything else done, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and also, you know, it sounds a bit little bit crude, but you'd kind of think by ten they're just kind of falling out. Do you know what I mean? There's no kind of It is it is quite a salute to heterosexuality that you know, you've been married to the woman since you were probably 17 years old. You've you've ripped through 10 children through her, her poor <laughs> and suffering body. Where's <laughs> they come home on a Saturday night? All right, let's get number 11 up here. Come on, let her be. Look, maybe they're working towards a football team or something. You know, maybe they're sports something. fans. Yeah, something was up. Yeah, that's what you, all you needed was smaller fields. <laughs> I suppose they had, they had nothing more to do then, did they? they? They didn't have a lot to do. There was probably no TV and all that kind of stuff and radio yeah. on in the background. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad uh, I'm glad there wasn't Twitter in the old times. I think oh, it would just be very depressing. A lot really of really weird. I'm hungry tweets. And, <laughs> I'm stuck in a trench. This isn't fun. So, I mean, what did you want to be when you grew up? Obviously, when you're a kid, you don't think, oh, I'm going to be a, I'm going to be a, a stand-up comedian when I'm older. What kind of aspirations did you have? You know, I had, uh, I had, initially, I wanted to be a professional wrestler. Oh, wow. And I thought, no, I'll be a uh, preacher instead. So that's why I found comedy, because it's actually a combination of the two <laughs> occupations. <laughs> 
wrestling priest. <laughs> yeah. But uh, actually from a very young age, and it's it's quite sad um, because this I, I, I don't have very many pure stories, like all of them have a twinge of, you know, just a little bit of evil or darkness in them. And I don't know why, so it's just the way my brain works. But yeah. this was one, my, my one nice story that I could tell in, in, in polite conversation. When I was 12 years old, my parents took me to see a comedian in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. And this comedian was very famous at the time. And we used to always listen to his albums on eight track cassettes in, in, in the vehicle driving across Canada. We had all his records, we'd play them at home. And he was just a great comedian. And, and he came to Saskatoon and, and, and we weren't very rich at the time. My dad was actually changing occupations and in university and every dollar was very, spoken for but my mom was so amazed that this comedian had come to the thing that she she actually set aside and we we didn't you know we 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 blew the entertainment budget for the year to get five tickets for him and and I was just awestruck by how fun it was and how a whole crowd listened to him speak for 45 minutes and and it was just great and I fell in love with comedy and the only sad thing is that comedian's Bill Cosby. Oh dear. <laughs> <laughs> Many years ago, that would have been a badge of honor, you know. Like, exactly. Oh my God, exactly. you saw Bill Cosby live! Wow. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, now people just but lean now, in. Are so you much. okay? Are you all right? <laughs> Did he buy you a drink? No. Did he touch you in any way? <laughs> no. I don't remember all of the night. But, uh, <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> But it obviously left a left a left a mark on you. Yeah, <laughs> never meet your heroes. So, I mean, what was your first job? What did you end up going into? Uh, my first job, I was a radio station mascot. I was the Sea Fox Fox, and it wasn't like I didn't go to like a clown school or anything. It was basically whoever was willing to put on the costumes that they couldn't clean. Like it just, just one dude would sweat into them oh, and then man. he'd hang it up for it. Like there was three costumes and then they were supposed to be on a rotation. You know, one guy would hang it up. It was supposed to have dried for three days, but <laughs> that was not always the case. And uh, I had, I remember um, they sometimes would send the costume to, um, like the, the send the mascot to concerts like <laughs> oh my send, God. They send, and if you were it was kind of the only way that the boss could punish you you know if you like pulled a shift or like late in the day or didn't show up or something they would they would send you to metallica concerts and the <laughs> like <laughs> it was just these stories of like the fox going onto the floor trying to shake hands. And then the next thing you know, just the head is in the mosh pit being, <laughs> being taken apart. Oh my God. I say it's stank of booze and, uh, you know, whatever else was thrown. Yeah. Yeah. It was a good um, parable for fame. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's, yeah, oh. I should I, I should have learned my lesson then and got out of the game, but I didn't. <laughs> oh, there must be nothing worse though, putting on a suit that somebody else has worn for a long period and you know, oh, 
God. And these are the kind of guys that are, you know, they're willing, they're willing to do that too. These aren't like clean men. <laughs> like, I think they're kind of like, like a step up from a hobo. <laughs> It was all teenage boys. Yeah, yeah, you know, I don't need no goddamn deodorant. <laughs> Just gonna stink anyway. <laughs> You've take, certainly taken away the, the glamour aspect, you know, that we see when we see the, uh, you know, the American football games with the, uh, yeah. with the, <laughs> with the mascots. <laughs> it wasn't like that. There's no glamour at all. Yeah. I, although I got to bungee jump in it for free once. At the, <laughs> at the, Did the your head fair. come off? <laughs> no, they gaffer taped it on. Yeah. So, but you couldn't really see it. But like it was at this thing, thing called the PNE, is an exhibition every summer in Vancouver. Yeah. And um, I was up there on like a, like a high riser and it was just concrete below it wasn't like oh jumping into a ravine or anything it was just like at the fair and people were stopping and like this had been a long time ago but there was there was video cameras people saw it as interesting enough like you used to if, if you wanted to record something with your video camera like yeah that that was pretty special because you couldn't you know it wasn't like a phone now where you could just delete it but I just remember looking down thinking, if this cord breaks, this will be like on every- You'd be on YouTube, you'd be on YouTube now anyway. You'd, you'd have fame oh. for a different reason. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I just thought, you know, even the one cool thing I got to do in that costume, I thought this, there's a price. There will be a price. But I lived. You live to tell the tale. I did. Yeah. So you were 19 when your, your, your stand-up career began in Vancouver I mean how did that actually start it's a it's a big thing it's a big sort of jump from obviously seeing Bill Cosby live yeah, well, the Cosby and then becoming a stand-up yeah Cosby thing happened when I was 12 years old so I had seven years to try and talk myself out of it but do you know what it, it, it actually um because I knew for my whole since I was 12 I knew I wanted to be a comedian and then um when I was 19 my grandpa died and the day after his funeral my high school sweetheart dumped me oh my god um, yeah and i was just really depressed that's um, really harsh yeah so i thought to myself well well i'll go st try stand-up comedy and then I'll, <laughs> I'll realize i can't do that either and then, then just you know i'll have i'll have all the pain out of the way <laughs> at once you know <laughs> Yeah, what was your first gig like? What memories do you have? Uh, of your it went first? really well. It went really well, but that's because I always knew I wanted to be a stand-up. So I was always writing little jokes down and little ideas, even from a very young age. And I, I set myself the uh, like from watching stand-up. I said, okay, well, don't do impressions and don't use catchphrases from television because that used to be the way most class clowns would get. Yeah get laughs and I thought yeah, well, yeah, that's exactly. not really you you know you want to get you out and present your funny thoughts so so I it was good and that and I didn't know whether or not that was right I just knew that that's what I thought and it turns out that yes I was I was right and it, it should always be your thing but again I anytime somebody young asked me for 
advice on how to do comedy or or how to start you know how to be a comedian the only yeah. the only advice i can give is what sort of notepad you should have and what kind of pen you know find your favorite kind of pen and you know, then that's it like i can't tell you what's funny about you <laughs> only you know but just the way to write it down i can give you a hint <laughs> but but anything else it's all it's all from your own beliefs that's when stand-ups at its best yeah i mean it's a very individual thing isn't it it's all from your own life experiences and the way you view the world mm. so i mean what was the what was the comedy scene like when you started what i mean obviously there's a lot of famous canadians that we now know obviously jim carrey uh, yeah would be, would be one famous canadian that we uh yeah, he had gone. He had gone from the Canadian circuit quite some years ago. By the time I started, but he was starting to come back to Canada a bit. Like guys were opening up for him and stuff. Yeah, so yeah. He and he maintained a a few friendships with circuit comedians from Canada. So he would always be sort of around, but I never got to meet him. Yeah, uh, we just lost one, Norm Macdonald. Oh man, uh, I know. Terrible news. Yeah, I, I I met him once, but that was in L.A. a long time afterwards. But yeah, he because he he came out of the Toronto scene right around the time that I started. But I was in Vancouver. So, yeah, Canada's quite a quite a large place. You don't especially with the East Coast and the West Coast, you don't always meet the guys because um, quite often they'll just go to L.A. before they even come out to the other in the other direction and that's what i did when i started in canada i never played the east coast i just went directly to um europe i'd sort of because uh, yeah everybody was always it was always oh everybody's got to go to la and i actually got in a car accident on the road and oh took the money from that and i had whiplash too <clears throat> and, <laughs> and uh yeah, I took all that money and just went to Europe to to backpack and see what was going on. And I found a bunch of gigs. I found the Edinburgh Festival and I realized, yeah, this is the place. And I came over so early that there was hardly any Canadians over here, which mm. um, if anybody's been to a club night in the last 10 years, you'd realize how crazy a thought that would be. Sometimes it's just all Canadians. Which is, <laughs> I know, so the crowd sort of gets confused. Like, is this a refugee camp? <laughs> <laughs> like like throwing Canadians. people out of the country? What's going yeah, on? Yeah, why is Canada so... <laughs> um, so yeah, that's uh, yeah. I, I ended up coming over here and and would get gigs because people were like, oh, we haven't had a Canadian before, <laughs> and that the no gig has ever said that in the past ten years. Like yeah, I mean, like uh, Colin Mockery is he? He's Canadian, I think, isn't he? Yep. Yeah. Uh, a very a great yeah. export. A very great export of, uh, of Canada. <laughs> Absolute legend on the improv scene. Mm. So you moved to London. Um, at the age of 22 why why London in particular was it there was just something about the London scene that attracted you to it well like I say it was uh, um, it was better there wasn't a lot of Canadian acts yeah 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 come over so um, but I it also I met a girl too so but I and I didn't live in London I lived in Birmingham when I first moved well, it was actually a lot better place to live than London because um, I I came over with chops. Like I'd I'd been a comic in Canada for three years and yeah. touring pretty heavily. Yeah, uh, touring rough gigs. So 
you could kind of put me in anywhere. Uh, and, you know, when you first come over, you don't, you kind of got to wait to get booked. So yeah, there's always pullouts. So I lived right in the middle of England and yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. they'd be down and act and they'd call me up and go, can you make it here? And sometimes, sometimes you had to pretend your name was that act because they, <laughs> you know, there was, yeah, there was one, one venue that they were so remote acts kept pulling on them. So, right. um, he said to uh, the the guy said to the booker, if you pull one more act, then uh, that's it. We're never doing comedy again. So he oh called God. me up. He's like, look, the act's pulled, but can you just because you know they don't know who you are. Say like, this is you. Know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This is before Twitter or anything, you know. It's like, yeah, sure. I'm whoever you need me to be. Oh my God. Yeah, I mean that's the beauty of Birmingham, isn't it? It's smack bang in the middle of the of the country, and you can it you is. know you're literally you can go anywhere you like. Yeah, it. But it also meant that I had to wrap my head around driving and in yeah. one of the worst cities for driving <laughs> in the world. Like, like I didn't even really understand roundabouts. It, it was only when it was explained to me. Like, oh, I thought the people on the right had to stop for you. <laughs> yeah, I was getting a lot of like honks. I thought they were cheering me on. Like, <laughs> You're doing a great job. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you must have seen me on TV. I'm not actually that guy. It's a different <laughs> it's a different name. I just had to use it on the night. But anyway, glad you like the comedy. So, I mean, how easy was it to get started when you moved over here, you know, as a kind of an unknown entity? I mean, how easy was it to obviously nine, the 90s was an amazing time for, for comedy in, in Britain? Yeah, yeah, it, it wasn't easy. Like, um yeah there was definitely a market for me and i preferred uh doing gigs in europe because vancouver at the time and right now was very sort of woke for a better for lack of a better term and the, yeah so the way comedy has gone now where everybody has you know like oh you can't say that you can't say this oh yeah oh. Uh, Vancouver's always been like that so it was nice to it was nice to leave and come to London which had such a, a sarcastic snarl to it I, I fit in and I was able to um, I was able to write um, jokes jokes that more spoke to me and what what I felt and also I was so broke the only thing I could do all day was read the newspaper well you know <laughs> I was just I was, so I was writing jokes about, you know, like good quality jokes, reading good, the you know, the media the newsprint was a bit better back then, too. Yeah. It wasn't all. Uh, I mean, now it's like it's written by a bitchy teen. <laughs> <laughs> so did I mean, did, did the being Canadian thing, did it help you or or did it hinder you, do you think? Uh, no, I think it helped at the start, but like I say, there wasn't many over here. Um, I think it would hinder you now um, because they don't like to have too many of one thing on a show. And yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's one of those things. Now they won't tell you that because they're so it's it's such a loaded like you. That's not a reason you can't you can't say that. You know you can you can have more than give one Canadian, and it's like no, you really should. <laughs> You know, it just, it looks weird. That's the thing, I suppose you're a bit, it was a bit of a novelty. Do you know what I mean? When you're, you're so used to hearing a particular accent, then suddenly there's this totally different thing that you're not used to hearing, you know? An accent yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, it, it also it gives you opportunity to do um, fish out of water stuff, but that's yeah. not just Canadians. That's that's um, that's basically uh, like Aussies and well, just everybody who's not from here. But I've been doing a new thing. I like to I like to do jokes that they're amazed that I'm able to write like uh, <laughs> you know, like to do jokes about English history, like this little things and yeah, you can see them sort of like, hey, wait a second, does he understand what he said? But of course, I, I lived over here on and off for, you know, 23 years. Of course, yeah. I know it. That's the thing. They think you're just off the plane, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you wouldn't believe how many times somebody who never leaves their little corner of England ex yeah. tries to explain what England is to me. Yeah. And I'm just like, mate. I travel it every goddamn weekend. You don't, you don't know, but you just listen to my accent and you think that I don't know. No, you're the one. <laughs> you can't expand the small-minded. Um, yeah. So are, are Canadians as polite as we're uh, as we're we're told? Fuck no. <laughs> <laughs> you know, no. we're how polite the Canadians are, and they're always apologizing for things. And you know, when it's not their fault, you know, Mike Myers, especially, is always going on about yeah. how uh, how polite the, ever, how polite the Canadians are. Have you ever seen a hockey fight? <laughs> I think I've probably you know seen one or two. <laughs> yeah, that's the reason we're polite more than anything, because that is a that is a form of expression in Canada. People wow. have their favorite hockey fighters and you know, most people grew grew up playing hockey, so you don't always know who the best hockey fighters are. So it's best just to be like, oh, oh, I'm sorry, was that my fault? <laughs> okay, it's not about the game; it's about the who can fight the best. Yeah, some wow. of the, sometimes, sometimes that's very true. So you've done a few panel shows over the years in the UK. So have have you found that a good way to showcase what you do? doing that sort of thing no. and being put in with other people <laughs> i no. shouldn't talk myself down here but um no panel shows are horrible <laughs> yeah they're good if you're good at them but the thing with them is you kind of it, it's tough because writing stand-up and uh writing for a pan panel shows are really poppy and and yeah um, yeah yeah you gotta you gotta have an opinion on you know, pretty, you know, the Kardashians, if you, you know, like, it's a lot of the time when I, when I did them, I didn't know what anybody was talking about. And I didn't know why grown adults would care. So, but that being said, I've done more now and I, I've got a better, um, I've got a better hang of them, but uh, I think a lot of Canadians have had problems on those shows because we don't grow up with them. And, yeah, you know, sure. You just say, oh, yeah, OK, I'll come do your show. But I mean, I don't know why they don't just all do stand up every show, because it's all just like they know what the questions are going to be. Yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. You know, like, So it's just it's them going, OK, everybody write five jokes about this and then uh, we'll put the best three of all of you on. Like, I, I don't know why they're, they're just not open about it. It's it's a really weird obsession with a winner um I've, I've never understood like they they give points out at the end and stuff and yeah 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 no, I mean mock the week is a good example of 
the way these shows go. And you don't kind of think initially, you don't think, oh, it's all really scripted and everyone's kind of worked out what they're going to do. And, you know, you've got that sort of, somebody does a bit of stand up a bit later in the show and it kind of ruins it a little bit. Do you know what I mean? When you, when you find out it's all, it's not as improvised as you, as you kind of imagine that it is, it kind of ruins the mysticism of it. See, I think the improvised, like some of it is improvised. Yeah, um, yeah. But I always think that those are the weakest parts. But I'm, I'm quite a, um, I like the mechanics of jokes. I don't like wasted words. And I mean, you'll find a lot of the improvised bits is just somebody opening their eyes really wide. And, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it's often more formulaic than a joke. Um, yeah. So the, yeah, again, and to me, it's just like, why am I? You know, uh, again, that's just a personal opinion, but I, I would prefer something that somebody had um, taken away and honed and crafted. It's yeah. Like, you know, I don't want to watch a movie somebody made in a day. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You want a bit of work to have got a bit of work to have gone in. But um, yeah, talking about like working in front of audiences. I mean, do you have, do you get much in the way of hecklers? Are you are you good with the old? Uh, you know, you're bound to get somebody that's pissed one night and is just just wants to. Yeah, you know, have a yeah. Shout. I had a dude um, barking in the middle of the show last <laughs> weekend. It was really, it was just, I felt sorry for him, you know. Uh, it was a stag do that had a bunch of shots right before. Yeah, because they closed the bar. I think they the, the venue is like, well, if we close the bar before the last act, then, um, you know, they won't be able to be disruptive but all that does is make you know don't don't then sell them shots because you know? <laughs> yeah about 10 minutes in this dude started just barking and it was you know if it had been if the rest of the crowd had been terrible it would have been fine but the rest of the crowd was really good and really up for it and, yeah you know, yeah then you're just i don't know what that gentleman feels happened that <laughs> night but he was being placated as if he you know he'd fallen off his bicycle without a helmet <laughs> oh barking huh like and apropos of nothing i didn't there was no jokes about dogs or anything um yeah and it was sort of it, i sort of felt it was a bit of a professional heckle in that it, he was waiting for punchlines to do it which yeah was, yeah yeah it's a definite skill to that to it though isn't it with uh, you know, you're you're doing your thing on stage, and someone just sh- shouts out, or well, obviously starts barking. Yeah, you, you've got to handle that in the best way. <laughs> best way. You well, yeah. Then sometimes the 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 best way to handle it is to not handle it at all. Um, I um, I just called him a moron, <laughs> and I was lucky because I I was about to say a much ruder word than moron. <laughs> <laughs> said stop barking you moron and but it was right moron overtook the rude word like forrest gump running (laughs) i can't believe i can't believe we got the whole brain rewired to say moron but we did we did and the show was fine for it Uh, obviously fit the uh fit the occasion yeah oh yeah any 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 either of the words would have been <laughs> but you know it's um that's the thing the i suppose you're you're having to gauge the crowd as well aren't you about the, yeah. the way you ha- the way you handle things 
Yeah, yeah, and it's even more difficult now too, where um, people, um, yeah, yeah, the the social media has blurred what's uh, acceptable. Yeah, there there will be crowd members. Like if a crowd member interrupts the show, there'll be a crowd. There'll be sometimes crowd members on their side, like you know where that wouldn't happen before. Everybody else would realize that no. We'll never get anywhere if any if we have to stop every time somebody doesn't understand something. Or, oh my god, you'd be you there know. literally for the, the whole week trying to explain things. Yeah, yeah. So, so I mean, are you are you a fan of social media? Do you use it for your job, or do you do you find it it's a bit of a hindrance more than a? Uh, I regret my Twitter account more <laughs> than mid nineties cocaine habit. I think most people do, to be honest. Yeah, I've invested more time in it. And, you know, boy, you thought you listened to some rubbish in the mid 90s. Have you turned on everyone's opinion? Oh, <laughs> no. Oh. No, yes, I would, uh, I would. I envision a future when I turn them all off. I haven't signed up for TikTok and I refuse oh. to. Yeah, well, apparently it's a bunch of really, really virtuous young people um, <laughs> policing each other's, micro-policing each other's language. But, you know, on a Chinese data farm, <laughs> I don't see them policing the creators of TikTok, trying to get them to let the Muslims out of the camp. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't matter. That's not, we're not here to do that. We just want to make sure nobody says moron. <laughs> yeah. So you've toured the world over the years. So, I mean, is there any particularly great countries that you've gigged in? Yeah, yeah. Oh, they're all good. I mean, the only, the only thing I kind of regret now is the amount of time I spent Event in Australia and New Zealand and not in that I don't like not not in any disparaging way yeah 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 towards them it's just it was a long way away and in retrospect there was more going on for me in England and then there was a time where I moved to America and yeah. I tried to keep every ball in the air. I tried to keep Australia and New Zealand going. I tried to keep Europe going and wow. I tried to crack America at the same time, wow. which just meant I didn't have a home for five years. And I just got really tired and burned my, burned my vocal cords out. And I, yeah, in retrospect, I should have just said, okay, well that I just will stop going to that region for a while. Um, yeah. God, so. just make, make it work for yourself, literally. Yeah, well, it's, that's what happens when you're self-employed. You've got the yeah. your boss is quite an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing, you can't turn down any gigs that you're given, you know. Nah. Your, bo your, your nah. boss says, oh, I'll do this gig, and you're like, oh, no. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a very strange... Um, yeah, like if I treated any other employee like that, that wasn't myself, I would probably go to prison. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be in the in a tribunal somewhere. Yeah, yeah. well, for sexual assault alone. <laughs> the cultural differences you must experience is, you know, obviously an, an audience in America is, is very different to an audience in, say, the UK. Do you know what it's more based on, I believe, um, 
it's more based on whether it's a arty town or um, a hard working town. Yeah. And that's kind of across the board. It's just, if it's a bit more of a meat and potatoes, hard working town, the shows will go better because those people generally work for a living and they're not, they're not out to, it's, it's, they're not out to have their personality formed yeah, yeah. The more the more of the hard work in town, the the better, because they're they already know who they are, so they they're not looking for a show to blow their mind. They're looking yeah, yeah. for a show to make them laugh. And um, you know, I I like to have some things that you can take away from after the show and think about, like, oh, well, that's you know that that is a, a good way to think about things. But we most have guinea pigs. <laughs> <laughs> guinea pigs oh wow i'm jealous (laughs) um so you must have obviously you've performed as i said you've performed everywhere so have you performed in any weird weird venues you've kind of gotten there and you've gone oh my god what is this shed (laughs) uh yeah yeah i was in um myanmar uh just before yeah like my last asian tour before lockdown that was that was a bit strange, you know? Yeah, it was like a hotel. I think it turned into a brothel after the show, like the, the bar did, because there was definitely, yeah, yeah, there was a weird mix of um, workers, people people that lived in Myanmar, like Westerners that lived in Myanmar. Yeah, yeah. That obviously had a family and, and you know, this was their night out and then, <laughs> Uh, I, you know, they, they, they were like, it is a hard out of nine o'clock. Do not go over nine o'clock. And my two openers had been enjoying what was a nice venue. Um, so they kind of did too much time a little bit. And I had, to, but I was trying to get like a show out, like an, like a, a fully formed show. So I had to sort of go over the time limit and you just saw all these perverts starting to circulate <laughs> at the back of the room. It's like, oh God, I've had to go. Whips flying all over the place. and uh... Yeah. <laughs> Who would have been your comedy heroes growing up? I mean, was there much of a British influence? Would you have got like Faulty Towers and all that kind of stuff that we had? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We love Faulty Towers. Um, Faulty Towers, the two Ronnies, yes. uh, Monty Python, of course, and then... Um, Black Adder, Red Dwarf. Um, it was all the stuff that would come on to PBS. Um, America has the public broadcasting system. Yeah, and they, yeah. they do these um, drives. Um, what do you call them? Like subscriptions. You, yeah, that's how they were funded. They're funded by subscriptions. Right, right. So they would play like at Christmas time, they'd play all of Black Adder's season one. And then in between the things, they'd come out and go, you got to you got to give us money. But it was, a, yeah, it was a, it was a precursor to um, binge watching. But yeah, it was so heavily influenced through that. Yeah, I, I was happy to come. And then, like I say, I, I'm, I'm able to speak on... Um, British culture a lot because of it, you know. What's the thing? Maybe that was part of the draw, you know, that kind of drew you to the UK, that you'd kind of subliminally had this, you know, you had all this sort of British influence growing up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, my grandmother was from Northern Ireland too. Oh, wow. um, 
Yeah, it was when, when my granny, especially when she would watch the two Ronnies, you could see yeah. her missing, um, missing her home. But she was a funny old one. She, she lost her accent um, within like a year, apparently, of moving to Canada. It's, it's still, it subtly remained. Um, yeah, she, so I mean, how did she end up in Canada? Just, uh, just oh, oh, right. Yeah, yeah, right. she met my grandpa and uh, she went up to, uh, she went from um, Coleraine in yeah. Northern Ireland, she moved to uh, Yellowknife in the Northwest Territories, <laughs> which uh, I don't know if you're aware how cold it is in Yellowknife, but it's it's minus 40 regularly. Oh my God, it's, it's quite and cold it's, in Northern Ireland, but it's not as, uh, not no, as it's cold. not that cold. <laughs> <laughs> um you know and this would have been in the in the 50s wow too. and yeah well must have been mid, mid yeah yeah anyway it's not i don't think it's any colder or warmer but i i think you know now the, the insulation and the things like that <laughs> clothing is is a little you know it's it's not as bad up there now just through technology but i i can't imagine you know she she had a she had a rough life. I mean, she would have been in uh, Northern Ireland, you know. Then that would that was no yeah. No pick. And just to then yeah, uh, that was the same with my with my granddad. He he came over from Canada during the war. Uh, he was in the Canadian Canadian Air Corps or Canadian Army or something. Met my met my then my grandma. I think they were both quite young. They were both about eighteen or twenty. So, and then and then he went off back to Canada. <laughs> ah. <laughs> so we know very little about him. <laughs> yeah. To, uh, he had to get back uh, to that to that I, the icy temperatures. Well, if he was from Quebec, you, your granny might have might have dodged a bullet there because <laughs> in the northern climes of Quebec, it is quite a. Uh, it's, it's almost as cold as uh, Northwest Territories, and the the difference would be so negligible that uh, I don't think it. Yeah, I, I don't think it would make one acceptable and the other not. You know. Oh, so thanks, Granddad, for going back to Canada. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I mean, you were talking then about do, we we're talking earlier about doing gigs and stuff. How did lockdown? I mean, has has the last year been? been hard how was how did lockdown affect you as a as a stand-up did you have to kind of find new ways of performing or what did you do basically uh yeah i was all right i had uh i've got money from my um comedy albums they get yeah 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 radio and i get i get residuals for that so lockdown wasn't too bad on me um it just was it was tough in that i wasn't able to perform but i also did thoroughly enjoy the time off and um, it worked out that I was able to spend um, my son's from his second to third birthday yeah with him you know uh, which is not something I was able to do with my dad when I was that age and I just worry that he's really spoiled now because he just thinks that I'm <laughs> just around all the time yeah I mean yeah. let's talk about your your albums your comedy albums so how does that work are, are you recording is it live recordings how did it work no it's it's live it's, yeah it's live recordings of uh of my stand-up yeah um, 
So yeah, then the next one's ready to go. We just have to finish the tour and then record it and put it out. And um, yeah, it's a, it's quite uh, it's quite cathartic because uh, it also means that you can put the material to bed and start working on the next one. So I mean, yeah. I already am. <laughs> yeah, most uh, most comedy shows uh, have about fifteen minutes that didn't make it into the last one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And quite often, there's some jokes that get bounced four albums down the line just because they're quite timeless, you yeah, know, and it's yeah. the ones that are time sensitive. You go, well, I, I just know that won't be funny in a while. So I'll hold this one back because this one's going to be funny forever. So, yeah. yeah, it must be nice having that record. You've got a record of your journey. Do you know what I mean? You're, you're a record of your yeah. journey as a, as a comedian. Yeah, you can go into a deep dive with it too. There's a thing called Spotify for artists, and oh right, yeah. In lieu of paying us any sort of uh, money that you'd notice, yes. <laughs> they they offer you uh, access to your own data, which is nice of them. Like well, I mean, nice them, Apple Music, <laughs> Apple Music doesn't do it, or if they do, I'm not aware of it. But yeah, none of the other streaming platforms will tell you uh how much you're getting played but uh spotify does but you can really deep like go into every track and then there's little buttons you can press and you find out how much over the year like it'll show you a graph of how many times it got played in a day and wow yeah if i was still into drugs i could probably sit there for a week because <laughs> it tells you like what countries have been played in down oh to what God. cities and yeah it's really um if you have an album on Spotify, I uh, highly uh, recommend anybody out there to uh, get yourself on Spotify for artists. But um, stay away from crystal meth if you do it. It'll <laughs> be a grossing few weeks for you. <laughs> That's the thing. You hear all these artists saying, oh, God, Spotify is great for getting your music out there. But you literally there's no kind of real monetary reward. From, no, from no. But. Now that lockdown's over, because you can get so specific about where your um, jokes have been played, you can sort of go, oh, well, I'll probably go and do a show in that town because I got 20 fans there kind of deal, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. I suppose it gives you a bit of a, a demographic where your audiences yes. are. Data is the new currency. <laughs> Won't buy you, a, buy you a new car, though, will it? <laughs> <laughs> if you sell it to the right people it well maybe maybe so we're talking about spotify there let's talk a bit about music now so have there been any big music loves in your life be it a band or an artist that you've kind of fallen in love with and followed their career yeah, yeah. I like uh, Gord Downey and the Tragically Hip. It's a Canadian band. Uh -huh. um, people generally, yeah, they, well, people now know it in the rest of the world because he got a brain tumor and died and it was quite a, uh, yeah, they made it into a documentary on Netflix. So that's how, yeah, it was really sad. He, um, he was just an incredible performer and um yeah, just at the age of 58. Wow. Yeah, they toured Canada one more time where they, but they had to, um, they did brain surgery on him to get the tumor out just so he could do the tour. And then 
he sort of apparently did it with half a brain. Oh my like, god! Because <laughs> they, they said, "Oh, you could do it this way." We'd cut this part of the brain out, but uh, yeah, he he had to sort of make a Sophie's choice uh, oh. about it, and he went, "Yeah, let's do the concerts." Um, and apparently, yeah, because he, he wore this like sort of, it's almost like a pimp's hat, like a big, big <laughs> purple velvety kind of deal with a big feather hanging off of it. But apparently, that's because uh, he had um, a scar all wow. the way across the top of his head where they taken out large portions of not large portions well of his brain but bits. Uh, that's who i put on late at night if i've had a few too many whiskeys just to get morose and happy at the same time so have you been to would you have seen many uh, live live gigs any sort of memorable live performers that you've seen in your in your life well them yeah yeah they would have been the ones i'd seen the most of um it was really good with them too, because I I lived over here, and of course they're not they're only huge in Canada. So yeah, yeah. You get to see them in really small theaters here, and uh, sometimes you could see they were annoyed. <laughs> it's like a half full small theater, and they're just like, why why do we keep coming here? Um, but the one thing I always wanted to do and just put it off and never actually got around to it they actually had a bit of a following in holland of all oh, wow. places it's so much so that there's apparently a tragically hip cover band in holland um but uh they um yeah they used to do yeah quite you know five date tours of holland and the one i'd, I'd always said oh to, you know to all my canadian friends we should get bicycles and follow them around <laughs> holland on tour just once and it was always something else to do and so yeah else yeah to do. yeah and didn't do it oh, man. and then he died yeah yeah it's always the way isn't it you know these, yeah. these, these, these guys pass away far too early you know. Yeah, well, especially him because he wasn't, um, you know, they, they the band drank and smoked pot, but they weren't, um, you know, like a lot of those. They're band from the '90s. Just a lot of those guys just died of heroin, <laughs> you know. Or by the time they got to fifty-seven, they they looked like they died of heroin. <laughs> they were aging really badly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And oddly, a lot of them, a lot of the 90 bands guys committed suicide, but waited until like now. Like I, that's what, that's what shocked me out of, um, you know, Chris Cornell made it all the way through grunge, which yeah. was quite a depressing and morose time. <laughs> and then he got, he got to like three years ago and then, it, then he was too sad, but I suppose you can't, you can't fault a guy for that sort of thing but it just just seemed odd to me that all those guys i guess yeah uh, kurt cobain well yeah i mean he's a prime example isn't he you know but it's like it just seems like you have to die to for your music to <laughs> you know to, to get this <laughs> this huge listenership i mean I yeah suppose, never nirvana you know to, uh... you look at nirvana now and nirvana when kurt was alive totally different yeah they're definitely missing <laughs> there's, a, there's a big missing piece of <laughs> well dave grohl is not uh, he's not complaining is he he's off uh, 
No, my, uh, my wife is, um, she's awestruck that I don't enjoy the work of the Foo Fighters as, as much as she does, but I don't dislike them. I just don't like them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what would the world be, you know, if we all like the same things? Yeah, yeah, I, I like every little bit about the Foo Fighters. I think, I think they all seem like nice chaps. They, they're not talking about slapping bitches or you know they're, <laughs> they're, they're not pretending they're criminals or what what have you but i just don't like it <laughs> and i should it's well, right like thing, as long as your wife is not forcing you at gunpoint to listen to foo fighters albums you know no but you know who does is my little shit of a child the one that- <laughs> He loves the Foo Fighters and I have to put him on my phone for him and he dances around. And even in that scenario where that is almost the cutest thing you can see, he like he jumps and he he balls his fist, yeah. his, his hand into a little fist and like acts like he's singing along, even though he doesn't know the words, but like he sees that that's what they do on the video. So he, even at that point, I still don't like them. <laughs> Um, so do you have anyone else in your in your cd collection is there anybody else that's uh floating your boat musically oh uh yeah sturgill simpson oh wow he's, he's incredible isn't he yeah i haven't oh, listened to his new album yet though he's got a new one where it's i think it's like alice's restaurant or something it's all just one song about yeah is it good yeah, yeah. No, I absolutely love all his stuff. And he's been doing a lot of film. He's been doing a lot of acting as well, hasn't he, recently? Oh, has he? Yeah. I mean, I listened to that one about the Hot Rod. I didn't know if you heard that album. It was it was quite a departure. And uh, I, suffice to say, I couldn't really get into it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's the thing. A lot of his stuff is very kind of very different than what, you, yeah. than what you'd expect. Well, Sailor's Guide to Earth is uh, is is one of the best albums I've ever uh, listened to. Uh, I found out a thing. I my dad is from Estonia, but you know moved to Canada as a child as a refugee. Actually, uh, I uh, I went back to film a special in Estonia of uh, one of the albums I did. One of the big stories took place in Estonia, yeah. so I thought oh, I'll go back. I, I got a bit of a following there and, you know, it looked good on the DVD and we, uh, we went to do a warm up show and um, my Estonian family is from a small island called Iuma okay. in Estonia. And um, they, uh, I, we're driving back from this little gig and I said, oh, I want to put this Sturgill Simpson on. And that's when all the Estonians in the van were like, oh, yeah, the, the guitarist, the guitarist on that, on that album, he's like a session guy that he's only, on, he only played in the band for that one, one album, but right. he's from Estonia and oh he's God. from Ioma. Yeah. I was like, well, that's basically my brother, but the whole, the whole story that took place in Ioma was about how, I looked like everyone on the island. Like when I went back there, I was like, man, I'm really from here. Like like people were like speaking Estonian to me and everything. And, you know, like wondering why I couldn't speak it back. And 
yeah so just to find like like that album which i connected with so much to to, to then yeah it was um interesting yeah i mean it's I mean, there must be quite a story there your dad you know going from estonia to canada must have been a wow it wasn't just that thing. yeah they were in sweden they had to they had to go across from Tallinn. My my grandmother and my father, as a when he was just a little baby, two years old, they had to hire a guy to take them in like a like a you know speedboat in the forties kind of thing. <laughs> but there was a, no, they had to go in like a wooden boat because it was all land, like it was depth charges all through oh the sea, God. and he had to yeah. So all the way from Estonia to Sweden, so. Uh, to get away from Stalin and they ended up in yeah. a, um, a refugee camp in Sweden. Um, they put all the Estonians in there. And then at the end of the war, the Swedes said to the Estonians in the refugee camp, you have to go back and live in Estonia under Stalin. Oh my God. Half of the refugee camp committed suicide <gasps> when they heard that. And the other half that my dad was in, they stole a world war one minesweeper and retrofitted it in the, <laughs> or refitted it so that 300 people could go on it and uh went went across the ocean they were heading for new york but ran yeah. out of fuel and food they yeah there had been a storm they'd lost all their food off the bow there was no more fuel in it and so they stopped in halifax and they all got off the boat and the, <laughs> the, the authorities were like you gotta you, you you need papers and the captain was like oh yeah I'll just, they're back on the boat i'll go get them and he went back <laughs> and he just pulled the plug on the boat so it just sank and he was like, oh, i don't know oh, what happened oh, what, what dumb luck and they were just like all right get in here don't be idiots and my grandmother and my grandfather and they all took a train across canada to um, Vancouver because they wanted to get as far away from the Russians as they could. Yeah, they didn't trust yeah. them at all. I actually ended up getting quite close to them, but they weren't great at um, uh, geography. <laughs> 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 but that, yeah, so my dad, after all that, like that's been his whole life, he gets to Vancouver and he starts school and uh, they um, beat him like right really badly because he was left-handed oh my god <laughs> and that was back in the time you weren't allowed to be left-handed <laughs> just that one last little kick like his first memory is of um a bombing raid in Tallinn. like he they yeah they said he cried for three days straight like that's how he was introduced to humanity. Oh my you know, God. Planes dropping bombs and then these boat rides and suicides. And Jesus. And then they, at the end, they're like, yo, you disgusting left hander. <laughs> uh, you, you're the worst thing about this whole place. <laughs> how dare you use that hand? You know how gross that would be? <laughs> There used to be a lot of that in the UK as well. They used to, you know, smack you on the smack you on the hand with a ruler if you if you yeah. to use your left hand. It's crazy. Yeah, well, it's why they say um, in Ireland a lot of the guys who uh, a lot of the footballers who were left-footed yeah. were um, actually that that's why they were so good um, with their left feet because it was their way they they could actually express themselves with their left side because they weren't allowed to use their left hand so yeah 
that's a, that's a it's a Hollywood movie in there, definitely in that in that story, isn't there? My goodness, mm. definitely a Hollywood movie in there. He should pitch. He should pitch that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. Okay. Well, I'll go do that. <laughs> Get on the phone. <laughs> Hollywood. <Yeah>. Hello. <laughs> yeah. Give me Hollywood. I'd like to talk to the Hollywood sign, please. Give me the give me the Hollywood guy who makes the films. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what's uh, what's next for you, Glenn? Are you uh, are you touring? Have you got tours lined up? Uh, yeah, we're just piecing the tour together now. We had an absolutely great Edinburgh run, sold it out, and got some great reviews. So it's not going to be a massive tour, but uh, it'll definitely be um, going all over uh, Britain and Ireland. Um, so watch out for that. Um, but yeah, it's not the the tour has not been announced yet, so you won't find it on my website or anything, but um, it should be announced soon. Yeah, I think you've been announced for, is it Galway? Are you, are you, are you yes. Doing the, you're doing the Galway? That's been announced. That was announced the other day. Yeah. So I'll, yeah, have, to, I'll have to come down and see you when, you, when you're yes, over. Yes, please do. Please do. I'm looking very much forward to that. Um, yeah, a lot of my, a lot of my uh, buddies uh, are, are going to be there. It's a great festival. Galway's got such a, a great vibe to it, you know? Mm. Yeah. Quite a good lineup too. Yeah, you can tell. You can tell. Um, comics have have been um, stuck inside and not able to earn very much. Oh, well, <laughs> I know. Lot. Everyone's coming out the woodwork now. You know. Oh yes, a lot of a lot of people are doing festivals they wouldn't normally do, and it's it's circling down into the clubs too. A lot of TV acts are. You know, you're going away for the weekend with them at clubs. You're like, well, surely you have to be. You know, getting some duty rests and, you know, <laughs> uh, they've got yeah. gambling habits or something yeah i'm sure there'll be some some drinking going on anyway when you're when you're over so thank you so so much for chatting with me today glenn it's been an absolute pleasure and thank you too and i will uh, i will see you in galway and we'll yeah yeah I'll, I'll pop over and uh, i'll say hello 